fall into idolatry. They would be perhaps uh, go to a neighboring pagan nation would come against them. God would bring judgment upon them and they would repent and start all over again. That vicious cycle over and over and over again. But God has, in His Word, given us some instruction. He's given us some, some clear things. These clear things tonight pertain mostly to Israel. But I think there's an application. I think there's an application for the church. And so if you will allow me to quickly go through this text, I think that, I, that it will be very pertinent to the day we find ourselves in and the situation and the choices we have to make as followers of Christ. Isaiah 66, verse 1, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. In these verses, we see what God is referring to is a temple that will be built during the tribulation period. Not Solomon's temple, not the temple that was under Zerubbabel. This will be a different temple. Remember, as we have studied prophecy before, I taught you that three and one half years into the tribulation period, the Antichrist will go into the temple and he will declare himself to be God and demand to be worshipped. He, the Antichrist, will declare himself Christ, declare himself as the Messiah, declare himself as the one to be worshipped. It's, it's, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament prophesied. So there is a temple that exists during the tribulation period. We as believers will be raptured out. We don't have to worry about that. And what God is saying is, that's not His temple. Even though the Jewish people say it's a temple unto God, God is saying, this is not my temple. What God is saying is, rather than you dedicating yourself to the temple, I would rather have you dedicate yourself to me in faith. Thus, the Lord says, heaven is my footstool, or heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. Everything is under the control of God. God wants to remind Israel that there is nothing that happens outside of His will. There are some people who believe that God created the heavens and earth and then the heavens and the earth took over on their own and they evolved into what they are. 
But that would go against the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. All things consist because God holds it together. Colossians 1.8 tells, teaches us that. And we see here in the scripture he is saying this temple is not a substitute for faith in Christ. Just as in today, in this dispensation we live, church attendance is not a substitute for faith in Christ. Coming to church doesn't make you saved. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. You should, I should come to church because we are Christians. And many people today, and I, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to throw out a number, but I've seen churches today where the name of Christ is not mentioned in their church. It's all about their church. It's all about their building and what their kingdom is here on this earth rather than faith in God. May I ask you a question? How many of you in here believe this statement? Faith is in God is easy to preach but it's difficult to maintain in our lives. Is anybody with me? Anybody here say, I have faith in God and worry? <laughs> mm -hmm. Has anyone here ever had say, I have faith in God publicly and then try to go and make the situation better yourself? We all do. There's not a one in here that's different than any other. None of your deacons, your pastor, none of us are any better than anyone in this room. And that's the point. God says, there's a people I'm looking for. There's a certain kind of person I'm looking for. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit. Now, in, in the King James, in the New King James, that, that, that's, it's, it's kind of sounding like, well, you know, I can't be rich. It's, it's not talking about poor as in wealth or money. It's talking about poor in spirit. Remember? On the Beatitudes, the Mount of Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because the proud does not need God. How many of you would be insulted if you knew that your child had a, a need that you could meet that was very, 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 very important need, so much as so as if it didn't get met, met, they might die. How many of you would be mortified to find out your children came to everyone but you? Wouldn't that make you feel like they don't need me? Do you know what the number one, the number one reason why people fall into despair and depression? Because they feel like they're no longer needed. Do you know why people don't serve the Lord in churches? Because perhaps someone has made them feel like they're not needed. They're not needed. So my point to you, church, is this. 
God says, I'm looking for the one that's poor spirit and contrite spirit, one that is humble, one that is perhaps even broken, one who trembles at my word. The proud, the proud depend on themselves. The proud don't need to depend on God. Israel thought they didn't need to depend on God. God's busy. He's not here. We'll build an idol. Think of that. See, God wanted them to turn to Him in faith. And because they didn't, in this temple, genuine believers that are saved during the tribulation period will not hang out in the temple. You know what they will do? They will flee away. Notice what he says in verse 4. He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. God is saying to the one who is proud, to the one who doesn't need him, to the one who goes through the ritualistic things, but his heart is far from God, he says this, your offering means nothing to me. As a matter of fact, your offering is so gross, it's like murder. And so we get the meaning here. Watch what he says as he continues. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. You know what the Jews thought about dogs. Why is he using all these unclean animals? He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Lord is saying, I don't, I don't need your offerings. I need your heart. I want your heart. And when we offer something to God, we offer Him because of our heart is inclined to Him. Our heart is in connection with Him. So the prophecy says, Just as they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations, so I will choose. Remember in Judges, we see this phrase, if you've read through Judges, you know, you've heard it, you've seen it, you've been in contact with it, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Remember that? And every man did what was right in his own eyes. So just as they have chosen their own ways, just as they've done right in their own eyes, their soul delights in their abominations, so I will choose their delusions. And think about this. Listen to this next phrase. God says, And I will bring their fears on them. Do you know that the nation of Israel feared the neighboring pagan nations more than they feared God? That's why God so often used those pagan things to judge him. 
So I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. There's a distinction that's about to be made. In verses 3 and 4, there's a distinction made from verse 2 and then verses 5 and following. There's two groups of people in the tribulation period. There will be that faithful remnant, those who turn to faith in Christ, and there are those who are Jews by nationality only, not Jews having their hearts circumcised. And there will be Gentiles who believe and Gentiles who don't. We don't know the number. It would be foolish to assign a number. I know X amount of people will be saved. I don't know. I don't know that. There are some people who say if you hear the gospel before, before the rapture of the church that you won't hear the gospel, you won't get another chance in the tribulation period. I can't, I can't prove that with Scripture. But I know that God makes a distinction here. There's the distinction between those who are of a contrite and poor spirit, those who tremble at His word, and then those who will not turn to Him in faith. When I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. What does he say in verse 5? He turns to the faithful remnant. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. There's that phrase again. So he's no longer talking about those who offer up a bull and it's as slaying a man or those who sacrifice a lamb and it's as breaking a dog's neck. No, he's talking about those who fear the Lord, who tremble at his word. And watch this. Your brethren, speaking of Israel, national Israel, those who have not believed, who hated you, who cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your glory but they shall be ashamed. Why? Because those, those who cast them out for his namesake, remember all the, think of the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who didn't believe in Christ and cast him out. And you think about that and you think about through every epoch of time. You think about the people who said, let the Lord be glorified. Just because someone says, let the Lord be glorified, doesn't mean they're talking about the Lord of this word. He said, let them be ashamed. Why? Because they're not turning to God in faith. And guys, there's a difference in believing and saying you believe. Maybe anyone can say they believe, but only genuine believers believe. That's kind of redundant, but think about it. When someone says, oh, I love God, and I don't know that person, I kind of like to know what they think about God. 
Because I want to make sure we're talking about the same God because there are a lot of little gods, right? It's amazing to me that people in America will bow before a statue of Buddha and call that Buddha a god. There are people in the United States of America who will worship the moon goddess and all these other goddesses and they're in all this stuff that doesn't make sense. Verse 6, the sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. He directs our attention from the argument of the, that temple, but now he's going to talk about the rebirth of Israel. Look at verse 7. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Here's the answer. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? I mean, if you had to go, ladies, if you had to go through everything in labor and then not have a baby, that would be horrible. It's the birth that helps you forget of the immense pain you went through. And in one day, the nation of Israel will be reestablished as God's chosen people. Going through the birth pangs of all the tribulation period and taking and refining that faithful group, that faithful remnant of people, remnant, he brings them through the birth pangs and delivers them in one day. And then he says, in verse 10, he's going to console them. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who loved her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied. See, they've come through the tribulation period, and in that instant, when the second coming of Christ, when He came, when He comes, excuse me, and He ex establishes His kingdom upon this earth, a millennial kingdom of 1,000 years, those of us that have gone to be with Him in heaven, the Bible says that we will come with Him, we'll be upon the earth, we will have a glorified body, which some indicate to believe that we will be able to go to and fro from heaven and back to his, his kingdom. And in that one instant when he comes and out of his mouth like a two-edged sword, he goes forward and smites the nations. One day like that, his kingdom is established. Joy. Satisfaction. 11, that you may feed and be satisfied. 
with the consolation of her bosom, the comfort. That you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides, shall you be carried and be dandled on her knees, as one whom his mother comforts, God says, So I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Israel, listen to me. You're not going to have comfort until the king comes. You have to go through the birth pains of the tribulation period. And verse 14 says, When you see this, your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to His servants and His indignation to His enemies. Everyone will know. Look at verse 15. Because He moves from the consolation, the comforting of Israel, to the destruction of idols and idolatry. For behold, the Lord will come with fire, with His chariots like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. All those, all those when he comes in his second coming at the end of the tribulation period, who have not received Christ as their Savior, who have not believed in Him, who have not remained faithful and succumbed to the mark of the beast, every one of those who rejected the Lord will be slain. Now, I want to clarify something here. In the tribulation period, God is dealing His judgment on the nation of Israel and those Gentiles who have never believed in the Lord. There will be some who come out of the tribulation period into the millennial kingdom. Some of those may come in very young without parents because perhaps maybe they believed and their parents didn't. I don't know that. And they may grow up without parents and they may resent God. They may have children. Now we won't. We'll have a glorified body. We're done. Some of you can take a big sigh of relief. You don't have to worry about that. But they will still have a physical body in the kingdom. And there will be children born in the kingdom to those who enter from the tribulation period into the kingdom. And some of those children will grow up and some of those children will not believe in the Messiah. In so much as at the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ on the, on the throne on the earth here, that the Bible says from four corners of the world, He is able to garner an army for one last battle. It's not a battle. They lose, obviously. And the Bible says that the devil is cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. 
He's going to destroy all of those idols and all of the idolatry. Verse 17, those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse, they shall be consumed together, says the Lord. In my studies I found, and I forget the name of the religion I had in my mind, and it evades me, but it escapes me. But there's an actual religion over in the Far East and Middle East that certain sects of people believe and worship different rodents. Now, how weird is that? <laughs> I mean, I can remember us going to like a Chinese restaurant and sitting down, they had all these different animals and it told you what kind of person you were and all that stuff and people will leave all that stuff and whatever. If that's your thing, have another egg roll and enjoy it. I mean, I love Chinese food, don't get me wrong. But um, all them animal things is what I'm talking about. There are people who worship crazy things. Because that intrigued me. Verse 18 says, God says this, For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues. There will be a regathering of the Gentiles. He's not talking about Israel now because he's talking about all nations and all tongues. All people groups. That word nation means people groups. All people groups. Gentile nations. And they shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations to Tarshish and Pool and Lud, who draw the bow, Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. There will be evangelists that go out and declare the glory of the Lord. Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of the nations, of all nations, on horses and in chariots and in litters, on mules and camels, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And I will also take some for the priests and Levites, says the Lord. Everyone will come to the holy mountain Jerusalem and worship Him in His kingdom. And he concludes in these final verses. In verse 22 he says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. God says there's going to be a benefit for trusting me, Israel. Number one, you will have the land forever. You will have the home that God promised you forever, Israel. The second thing he says in verse 23, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me. Everyone will come and worship before the Lord. Verse 24, And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men 
who have transgressed against me. You think about this scene when the Lord comes and he wipes out and kills all those people and their bodies are lying there. And the Jewish, uh, the evangelists, I don't know if they're all Jewish, but they, the, I believe there are some Gentiles too because they're going to Gentile nations. They all go out and they declare the glory of God and they come back and the corpses are still there. And they see it. They see, they see it. Upon the corpses of men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it sounds familiar because that's what Jesus quoted about hell in the New Testament. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Remember at the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that the dead, the sea gave up their dead. Death and hell gave up their dead. These, they're dead. And they're all cast into the lake of fire forever. The lake of fire is the eternal place of torment for those who rejected Christ. Hell is a temporary holding place. However hot hell is, some people have tried to figure out how hot it is by measuring the center of the earth. And the, crust, the center of the crust of the earth is like 700 degrees, and they think that hell's that. Well, let me tell you, I don't know how hot hell is. I know it's hot, but the lake of fire is worse. And that's how he ends his prophecy to the nation of Israel. And so I want to say three things as we conclude this, this study in, in the book of Isaiah. Statement number one, God has a plan. None of this is an afterthought. None of this is plan B. None of this is fabricated or made up. This is God's plan. And in every dispensation, man has the responsibility, man has the responsibility to turn to faith In the Lord. Every dispensation. That's God's plan. Number two, only those who turn to Him with a poor and contrite spirit will be blessed. Only one time in my life have I witnessed to someone and I told him that he was a sinner and he deserved to die. And I asked him if he wanted to be led to faith in a prayer. Would he like to proclaim your faith in Christ? And I got to the place where, Lord I, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner and I deserve to die for my sin. He stopped. He wouldn't say it. And I said, you'll say that. He said, well, I, you know, I've done some things wrong, but I'm really not that bad. I really don't deserve to die. Before someone can genuinely be born again, they have to realize they need to be born again. They need to be born again. Nobody comes in and says, yeah, God's lucky he got me. That's ridiculous. And the last thing I would say, in every dispensation throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, 
everything is for the glory of God. That's why we exist. We don't exist to build a great church. We don't exist to make a name for ourselves. We don't exist to make the political climate better in the United States of America. God's not American. We are, and praise the Lord, we are. But our sole purpose in life, our sole purpose in life is to glorify God in everything we do. Whatsoever you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. The nation of Israel couldn't get those three things. They could not figure those three things out as a whole. Not all of them, but I'm talking as a whole. And people in America today have a hard time figuring those three things out, that God has a plan, that only those who turn to Him in faith are blessed with salvation, and everything is for His glory. You know what? That's the whole point of the book of Isaiah. 66 books in the or 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, there's 66 books in the Bible. There are two divisions in Isaiah. The first division is 39, the second division is 27. In the Bible we have 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. Isaiah is called the mini Bible. You know why? Because it clearly points every man and every woman to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's got a plan for salvation. Only those who trust Him and believe in Him will have that salvation. And once they have that salvation, everything is for His glory. The nation of Israel didn't get it. I hope and pray that we get it. Would you pray with me? Before I pray,